0: This is 15 Minutes to Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Idell, and today's special guest is Mike Bledsoe. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Doing excellent. How are you? I am phenomenal, thank you. Mike, with all the things that you do, I must ask right off the bat, if someone listening could do one thing to better optimize their health, like kind of the the broad brush stroke, what would you recommend them do? Like something that everybody could do. Journal in the morning just that easy right you're you're dedicated I mean you have a fitness training studio you're a a coach you're a entrepreneur own gyms and journal in the morning is your go-to
1: that's my go-to because it all starts in the mind and the ability to to start the morning off in reflection Um, and first thing in the morning I like to do before I drink my water go straight to my journal because the mind is you're in that in-between state you know you're you're floating in there and there are things that are going to happen in that state that you're not going to be able to access when you're asleep all the way and when you're awake all the way. And so I think that's a really magic uh, moment where you can find a lot of creativity. Uh, It's easy to solve problems. And it's also, uh, for me, it's easier to reflect on what's going on in my life without getting caught up in the day to day. And that reflection allows me to find out how to be effective. And I think most people get, uh, especially when we start getting into biohacking and health and all this stuff is how do we be more efficient? People are trying to get more done in less time, but getting more done in less time is not useful unless you're doing the right things. And so that reflection and that time generally in the morning allows me to identify where the right things I could be doing for my health that, uh, that's going to be best for me. And it is during that reflection process that I realize. You know, in the summertime, I like to to move in the morning. And in the wintertime, I like to move at night. And so uh, there's these things that I would never notice if I wasn't waking up and journaling in the morning that I can hear my body. I can hear uh, what what it's trying to tell me. And so I then can behave from a place of intuition versus trying to rely on information outside of myself.
0: Well, I love that. And Mike – That that makes me very curious about what your morning, I'll say, rituals look like. Like when you journal, is it prior to brushing your teeth? Like you're literally hop out of bed, alarm clock goes off. If there's an alarm clock, right? There's a lot of studies that say if you're sleeping in the right circadian rhythm, you don't even need an alarm clock. I know. No alarm clock. No alarm clock for you. What are you getting up in the morning? What time? What time is your average wake up?
1: Uh, Between six and six thirty. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm in bed between nine and ten.
1: If I can get in bed before nine, if if it's eight thirty and I'm getting in bed, I am, I am celebrating, and then uh, I get up between six six thirty. Sometimes I I slept in this morning till seven. I wake up on my own. I go straight to journaling. And one of the things that uh, you know, I journal whatever I I do what I call stream of consciousness. So whatever whatever word is popping into my head, I put it down. So learning to not judge like oh I don't know if this is what I really want to say. Who gives a shit. Say whatever is coming into your mind. And then there's always a point where I run out of juice where I go, I think I've said it all. And then um, I have about 20 mantras that I write. So there's 20 things that – and I write in cursive. So I write these mantras in cursive. So these are, these are beliefs and identities that I'm instilling in myself. And uh, by writing them down every morning, it's, and especially being in that, that state that in-between state helps embed it even at a, at a deeper level because what I'm really doing is I'm not, I'm not programming the conscious mind. I'm wanting to program the subconscious mind, which is way more powerful. And, so, uh, and then by writing in cursive, I noticed that um, it's, it has a little more flow to it. And uh, there's, I'm thinking it allows me to think bigger and more ahead, if that makes sense, than yeah. if I'm writing in print and um yeah when i I knew that that was working really well, um, when I started doing that about is exactly thirty days in which was which was really curious, or one month in, I wake up in the morning after doing that for a month, and the mantras were running in my head. normally, when I wake up, the first thing running through my mind is, what do I have to do today? You know I'm running a business, and oh, I got all this well usually number one is sex. First thing I'm thinking about when I wake up is sex. And then when that subsides, subsides, I either have the sex and then I move on the to-do list or I don't have the sex and then it, I move into the to-do list, right? right. But when the first thing that's in my head when I wake up is those mantras, I, that, that was really exciting when that started happening. I go, oh, I am. it's obvious that I'm programming my subconscious mind because when I'm in that in-between state, those are the words that are in there. And so, uh, I'm, because of that practice, a lot of times I'm, when I'm journaling in the morning outside of the mantras, I'm writing out what I want to be happening in the next, say year, six months, sometimes 10 years, but I'm writing things out and everything I write down happens a lot faster than I, than I plan
0: it to be. There's a a lot of power in writing. So Mike, those mantras, are they consistent or do they change over time? They change over time. Um,
1: So I have a, I have a list of uh, about 20 mantras that they've been, I've had the same ones for a year, but then I have uh, several others that are in a rotation. So some are very easy to, I go, yes, this is true all the time. It's part of who I am. I don't need to write that out anymore and I can replace it with something new. But, uh, and some mantras are, some mantras are more about my identity and who I'm living into being. um, And some mantras are more about uh, what's going to be accomplished in a period of time.
0: I love it. I love it. So with all those pieces and parts, then are you a cold shower guy? Are you a cold submersion tank in the morning? Like, are you depending on time of the year, right? I don't know your shower schedule and things yeah. like that, but I'm super curious, right? It's cold. Like shower. You said, it's efficiency.
1: Yeah. I, I really like cold shower. Um, I actually have a uh, sauna on delivery. And one of the things I have, uh, I've discovered, is uh, I really like the cold plunge. I like the ice bath. But in the summer, it's easy to do the ice bath. But in the winter, there's no easy way to warm up. But right. now, that, now that I've got a sauna on the way, I know that I'll be doing ice bath because I'll be able to sit in the sauna for 15 minutes afterwards and then start my day. So I, I actually think that's a, a big key. I think a lot of people would avoid – it's harder to do the ice bath without the sauna. Once you have the sauna – it's like, you know what? I know I'll be warm in 20 minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and knock it out.
0: Well, your your ice bath, you went literally old school deep freezer, throw some water in, throw some ice in, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just – yeah, just put a deep freeze. It doesn't have to be crazy fancy. Um, I find myself doing ice baths when I travel uh, even more than when I'm home So because I have the ocean. So I go out to the ocean, and in the winter, it's pretty cold. So I have that, but when I'm traveling, you know, if I'm traveling with buddies, a lot of times someone will find a a horse trough somewhere and it'll be somebody's job to go get a hundred pounds of ice in the morning and somebody will make the ice bath. And when we're on the road, we'll rent an Airbnb and we'll do that. And it really helps me, uh, normalize to, uh, time zone changes. It helps me. Usually when I'm traveling, I'm experiencing more stress. I'm eating more uh, food that's inflammatory in nature. Like my whole thing is thrown off, and the ice really helps uh, keep me you know, dialed in.
0: Yeah, so it's, it pertains to the infrared sauna. Do you, you go infrared sauna? Do you go normal sauna? Do you do a, a single person, a multi-person? What you end up buying?
1: Uh five-person infrared sauna from uh, Sunlighten.
0: Yeah, great company. So,
1: yeah.
0: Pennsylvania-based, right? Pennsylvania?
1: Uh, you know what? I'm not even sure. So truth be told, they didn't, I didn't talk to them directly. I have a person for that.
0: Of course you do. I, I love you. I, I, you might as well own it, man. Success is nothing that we should run from. You know that yeah. as well as anybody else, right? You've earned what you've earned from how hard you've worked.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So we, we've we've covered some of the journaling things. We covered some of the the mantras, the ice bath. What else is a, is a morning routine for Mike? And I find this so curious because there's there's shell signs, right? I get you, probably both of us. We're fortunate to interview some really incredible people that have done some incredible things, and almost everybody has the same give or take twist on the morning that all has the same components, just in different orders. So I'm always fascinated by someone, especially as I'll call it weaponized as you, right? You're living an optimized human experience for what most people would, you know, if, if, if we're running it through a litmus test, you would pass.
1: Yeah. My, my life is really, um, I've designed it to be, um, exactly the way it is. There's, there's very, I tell people a lot of times, there's not a lot, most of it's on purpose these days. And it took me a decade or more of i mean if i'm gonna be if I'm really looking at it you know i've been I've been trying to optimize since I was about thirteen years old so uh you know in the last seven years I've been running the podcast and I've been running around the world interviewing the the top experts and man, there's nothing better to learn faster than that and so i i in the last seven years I've really put rocket launchers on this whole designing my lifestyle to support optimal health and optimal cognition and performance and all these things. And so, yeah, I, uh, I would say I'm weaponized. I I like that, that term for sure. Yeah. After I journal, man, I drink some like really high quality green juice, you know? Uh, and then I get into my, my little garage and I put on the juve light. So I've got the, I get that big juve, um, infrared panel, and uh, if you watch my Instagram very much, um, I almost use it every time I work out. Anytime I'm doing movement, I put it on, and uh, it looks funny on Instagram. But uh, I, it's it's now part of the the personal brand. It's got to be red light all the time. But what I do is I put the red light on, and most mornings I have about a thirty minute routine where it's very gentle movement. It's a mix of yoga, tai chi. Uh, Qigong and it's really I, I do have a and some Feldenkrais so I do this really gentle movement practice where it, the purpose is to pump the lymph um, and it's to activate the muscles and the right patterns so that as I move through the rest of the day that even when I'm taking step after step I'm, I'm creating better movement patterns not a degradation which most people are experiencing if they don't do it, have some type of movement practice first thing in the morning and, um, it really wakes my body up, gets me in my body and, uh, and really, uh, this is going to surprise a lot of people is I'm doing my best to keep my heart rate low. I don't do a lot of exercise to elevate my heart rate. I know a lot of people, you know, I, 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 I think we're going to look back on exercise in the early two thousands and have a chuckle about it in about 10, 20 years, because our society is really uh, kind of fucked up. And that, <clears throat> so what we have is we have a bunch of people trying to, to burn calories, right? So it's like, I got to have my heart rate up for this duration of time to burn as many calories, right? And calories are just a measure of energy. All right. And so we can say, look, if you burn this many calories, then you're burning this much energy. So what ends up happening is we have a bunch of people that have excess energy in the form of fat around their waistline right so we have too much energy so because we have too much energy because we ate too much so we it's an excess issue we have an excess of food so we have excess of energy so now we got to burn this excess of energy off in the form of exercise so now we keep our heart rate up for a period of time and we got all this stuff with our muscles we we're trying to burn as much energy as possible and but what's the what's the I would say the number one complaint is not having enough time, but the second largest complaint is not having enough energy. So like we have a, the entire fitness industry revolves around burning excess energy. But what we have is that we have a society that has an abundance of – we're a very wealthy society. We have too much energy in the form of food. And we go down the rabbit hole of like, well, it depends on the type of energy. If you're eating a bunch of sugar, it's the wrong type of energy. And I, I agree. But, you know, it, for me, it's like, how little can I do and still be in great shape? So that means I have to put way more attention to my nutrition. But uh, I, have, I invite people to work out with me all the time, and people are terrified to work out with me. They go, oh, man, I couldn't keep up with you. I wouldn't be able to do what you do. I, and I tell people, I think you'd be shocked at how gentle my movement practice is. I, I, I don't even like calling it working out too much anymore I go I think you'd be surprised at how gentle the movement practice is um because I'd be willing to bet that that three or four mile run you're doing in the morning is way more damaging to your body than what I've got going on and your heart rate's getting higher up and everything and you know if we want to test this with performance is this is how I train now is and you know give it I've got a background of 20 years of you know arduous training so There's, there's, I'm, I'm sitting on a platform, so I'm not, I'm not saying that if you've never trained before, this is how to do it, but man, I can go run a, an 18 mile Spartan race and, and be just fine. Even though I don't train for that, I'm, I'm, I'm being very smart with how I fuel my body, how I eat, uh, how I expose myself to light. I'm using the red light. I use, um, I use cold therapy, heat therapy. And uh, I have a very gentle movement practice that's mostly focused on, you know, circulation and good posture. And it's a, when, when you have a very strong back like spine and the muscles are, and you have a very good posture and you're doing training that improves your posture, uh, it may, it makes maintaining energy throughout the day much more easy. And then if you're competing or running or in any type of athletic endeavor, once you fix your posture all of a sudden things get lighter and easier so i don't need as much muscle mass to go do some of these things because everything is lined up you know my my levers are are in the right angles and now i can pick something up and i weigh a lot less than someone else that's picking up you know the same amount of weight
0: yeah i mean it sounds to me mike you you've created efficiencies right i mean there's kinetic chains that are how we're wired, if my very base level understanding of the human body and understanding that most of us have, you know, immobile hips. I'm raising my hand high on this, on the studio. Oh, yeah. I sit in a chair too much. I don't stretch enough. I know my hip girdle is tight and that then puts undue stress on my lower back and my psoas is elongated in the what rear position, stretch position, whatever it is. And it's like there's this trickle down effect of that entire chain of movement. Then everything I do becomes inefficient. So it starts with my feet hurt every day. And it's yeah. like, I, I know what's there, but it was interesting. When we were together in Dallas, you were actually sitting more times than not with your legs crossed in front of you with a very erect back. Almost like I would have imagined a, a quintessential you know, yogi to be doing meditation. That was just your go-to seating position.
1: Yeah, I, I prefer that over a chair, whereas most people would, would like – Be trying to get out of that and when I say most people I mean me 10 years ago me 10 years ago would have been like oh I need a fucking chair because this is hurting my back or my legs falling asleep or this or that Uh, you mentioned something you said psoas and dude the the psoas is such a, a a common thing you know a decade ago nobody knew what the psoas was if you said psoas, you you were probably in school for kinesiology or something like that. Now everybody knows what it is because everyone knows that they have a tight psoas. And so this is what people, most people don't know. People know that the psoas is the hip flexor and you know, you might be experiencing tightness and uh, anterior pelvic tilt, which can lead to back pain, all this shit. Now the psoas is actually becomes the diaphragm. So it's the same muscle. And the reason people don't really realize that is because if you flip through an anatomy book, it's separated as so as here and diaphragm there. They're actually it, it basically becomes that, and so this was pointed out to uh, to me by a friend who he he's sliced up more cadavers than we could count, and uh, is uh, Mike T Nelson. You gotta get him on sometime. Yeah, we'll do And. <clears throat> he's a good friend of mine and we were talking about it. I go, this makes so much sense. And he did a lot of work on my psoas and diaphragm, which uh, is not always the most enjoyable therapy to undergo. And I went that night and I smoked a bowl. I smoked some, some cannabis and I went for a run. And one of the things I'm able to do in that state is feel my body better. And I was really focused on what was happening in my psoas and my diaphragm and my breath. And I really, And I was able to really, really extend my hips and then feel my psoas and my breath working together. And I was able to find a cadence. And I started really, it's one thing to have it intellectually, but to experience it in your body is another level of understanding. And so uh, now what I know is anyone starts complaining about the psoas, I go, ooh, breath. Breath is being impacted. So uh, talking about it from an efficiency perspective, if you have a tight psoas, that means that you're... For every bit of oxygen you get into your body, you're having to work harder. And so you're actually going to require more food and you're going it, to – it's just – there's all sorts of stuff going on there. So if you can, if you can get to a place where your, your psoas relaxes and then you can get a deeper breath, now you have ener- more energy throughout the day. You need less food. to even if you are trying to put on muscle, you, you now need less energy to do that because you're wasting less. Um, interesting thing, the majority of the, the majority of the healing I've gotten in my psoas, my hips and my diaphragm has actually been emotional in nature and not because I got manual therapy or stretched it or whatever. It was, uh, the majority of like the openness I've gotten there has been from, um, doing somatic therapy, uh, and uh, emotional abreaction therapy and uh, ayahuasca and uh, and combo. I would say there's a lot of these like psychedelic medicines that are very visceral in nature. You know, it's you know you do LSD and it's a very cerebral experience. Ayahuasca is a very physical experience. It it is cerebral as well, but there is something happening in your body. And I I uh, I've had um, from ayahuasca experiences where all of a sudden my hips were loose. I go, Oh, I can move my hips now. Interesting. Um, And there's always the importance of having a physical practice to, to ground in those new patterns. Oh, my hips are, are now more open. Let's have a physical practice to embed that, that new memory into the body because, you know, I subscribe to the idea that, that memories are stored in the body, specifically the fascia. And if we have an emotional experience, attached to that memory, it causes the fascia to wind up. And now you have tightness. You do something like an ayahuasca journey, it can unwind that, but you better build in some movement practice to make sure that that stays that way from now on. So that's, that's a topic of integration, which is a whole nother conversation.
0: Well, I love all this, right? Like this is impactful, not only for me, but I know for the the tens of thousands of people that will listen to this, right? This is, we, we, to me have this flawed view of medicine and the way the body works that is just – I say it just doesn't serve us, right? It's been instilled upon us from generations that we're pushing pills, lotions, potions down our throat, right? The big pharma, and this is not to be too conspiracy-based. But let's think of, I mean, I'll ask you, how many how many prescriptions have you taken in your – like, prescriptions just don't exist in your life. I can almost guarantee, right? Like, if, unless it's medicinal pot.
1: Right. Uh, no, th- there's no prescriptions. Um was I had my wisdom teeth removed. Uh, I'm a late bloomer. So I had my wisdom teeth uh, removed at the age of 36 last year. And they wanted to, they prescribed me uh, like something like Vicodin, and they prescribed me uh, antibiotics. And I said, well, I won't be taking the antibiotics. And the doc said, well, I'll prescribe them anyway. I said, you know what, go for it. And so I got home, and I was able to – uh, get by on the pain with cannabis and kratom. So both plants, I was able to, the pain relief happened there. Um, I, I used my juve light, my red light. I sat in front of it with my mouth open to heal the wounds in my mouth more quickly. Uh, it was, it was an arduous recovery. It took me a couple of weeks to get over that. Um, it was, it was pretty gnarly. Um, at the end of it, I had my jaw released, you know, a few weeks later I went in and had my jaw released, which, if you've ever had a jaw release, it can, it can be excruciating. So imagine having you know, fresh wounds in your mouth and getting that done. These are things that most people would never – it's like, no, they're going to be popping pills, and they would never think about having someone release their jaw after having surgery. So I did that. I took ibuprofen twice. Uh, there were two nights where I was just like, fuck, I cannot sleep. And um, the combination of kratom with uh, ibuprofen – for acute pain relief is amazing. I, I actually prefer it over uh cannabis.
0: When I, so, I like I'd like to to state as to why you don't take antibiotics.
1: Oh, yeah. So, um it's
0: so interesting. Man, there's like a how long do we have? So, as long as you need like I I know for me it, it's gut flora, it's the whole way our body is right, balanced get All
1: right, so we'll just well i have to i, I have to um, I have to talk about modern medicine and it's uh it being based on science to get there so what we have is modern medicine is based on science now science is put on this pedestal that it does not belong on uh, science is new and in human history and so it 's this shiny object and so science is very very useful. I come from a scientific background i 've been in the lab like i i it's super, super useful, but it's one-dimensional. And so we can only there, – there's so many things about science that make it difficult to apply to our life. So uh, one being is uh, we can only – in true scientific study, we're only going to be able to look at one variable at a time. But as a living organism in the universe, there are, you know, an infinite amount of variables impacting every situation and every moment. So it's, it's uh, people who cite one study – and start making decisions off of that is really fucking silly, in my opinion. Um, now the now what's happening in science is we are taking the whole and we're breaking it down into parts, and we're breaking it down into the smallest parts as we possibly can, and we're we're getting down to that one variable. And so uh, the the universe and the world does not happen in parts; it happens as a whole. And but what we do is, in order to understand the whole, we have to break it down into parts. And so science does this and it does it very, very well. So there's a big, there's all this stuff that science does that I, again, I love it, but the problem is, is it's not very good at making the parts make sense as part of the whole. It's very good at identifying a part and then focusing on that part and focusing on that part and focusing on that part. But as soon as you integrate it into the whole nine times out of 10, it's no longer the same thing. So uh, what ends up happening is that, that, that type of, the the scientific mentality goes into medicine. And so in medicine, we are breaking things down into individual parts. So now what we do is we identify a single symptom, and then we find a drug or something that will interact with that symptom to relieve the symptom. Well, uh, for one thing, looking at the symptom is rarely the cause of what's going on. And to understand the cause, you have to get away from the parts and you have to see the whole. So medicine in, in modern times is so scientifically based that it's, you're being, you're treating the parts of a human, not the whole human, right? And so uh, what that has caused is it's, we have a, uh, medicine is death focused. So um, any medicine that involves, uh, like say antibiotics is focused on, and antibiotic is all about killing something. So you have a virus, and and antibiotics aren't for viruses, but, like, if you have any type of pathogen in your body, whether it's a virus, uh, bacteria, uh, whatever it is, fungus, parasites, what are we trying to do? We go to a doctor. They want to fucking kill it. We have to kill that thing. And, by the way, we're going to kill everything else in the process. You know, you have a tumor. You have cancer. We got to kill it. And what happens when we try to kill something? We kill a lot of stuff. There's a lot of collateral damage, and so with antibiotics, it's killing all the, a ton of bacteria in the body. The majority of your the cells in your body are bacteria. They're not even human. They're not you. So, um, so this is why, like a lot of times, um, yeah like chemotherapy and things for cancer is also not a great idea most of the time. I'm never going to say nothing's good all the time, but like, I think there's an overdiagnosis or over um, a diagnosis, uh, prescription of, of chemo. And basically our entire medical industry is about killing shit. Like let's kill bacteria. So antibiotics is going, we're saying, okay, you have a bacterial infection. That means a very small, strain of bacteria in your body is doing something harmful it's it's hurting your body so we got to go kill it so we're going to go and annihilate everything it's a nuclear bomb um and so what ends up happening is now because you've done an antibiotic you're now become susceptible to all other types of bacterial infections and it lowers your immune system and so yeah you may have killed that one thing but now you've exposed yourself to everything like you're you're now very susceptible and if this is why people who are in hospitals when they're given antibiotics are susceptible to the the most crazy strains of bacteria that could kill you, MRSA and these types of things. Is these bacteria that can kill you, they evolved because of antibiotics. We created those as humans because of antibiotics. Now so what we can, so what ends up happening is, is we can look at viral load or bacterial load and all these things. So what I, when I start thinking about health and wellness, what I do is I go, how do we create as much momentum as possible for health? So instead of trying to kill anything, I'm going to maximize all the good stuff in my body. So I'm going to maximize, uh, uh all the good bacteria as possible. So when they prescribed me antibiotics, I called up my buddy who makes the best probiotics that I know of. They're human strain. And uh, I, I went to him and I bought probiotics. And so if, instead of antibiotics, I put probiotics in me. So because I'm not I'm, – I'm trying to maximize my immunological momentum. And so I dosed with that and I was perfectly fine. And not only – Not only did I keep myself from any type of danger of bacteria, I actually came out of the surgery with my immune system being stronger than before. And so, whereas most people, they've got this period of time where they have to, you know, uh, they have to re, uh, they have to get their gut back in order and all this kind of stuff because it completely destroys the gut flora. Um, But the whole time I'm doing it, like I got a little fast in. You know, because I didn't eat very much and I dosed myself with probiotics. I I basically had a a built in cleanse into my into my ear last year because I had my wisdom teeth removed. And so it it my approach to the entire situation was different than other people. And I had so many people when I, I told people I did that as I was doing it. I had people on Instagram and stuff telling me how stupid I was and you know, don't I know that? And you know what? That's a big deal. My wisdom teeth, they're in my fucking head. If you get an infection there, it goes into your sinus cavity, which is right next to your brain. Uh yeah, it's serious shit. There's there's an infection in your head. That's close to some pretty important hardware. So uh and I'm and people are thinking I'm crazy and I'm going, exactly. That's exactly why I'm going to be, you know. Uh, I'm creating as much life as possible instead of trying to kill anything. So my approach to health and wellness is how much good can I create in my body? How much life and how much rejuvenation uh, can I cultivate? And you know what? If, like Western medicine is amazing. you know, if, if I do end up coming down with something, some crazy disease or if I get in a car accident and, and break a bone or whatever, take me to – the best hospital western medicine can provide it's really good for acute injury but it's very poor for uh maximizing wellness
0: of course as we've went down this path first first mike you you've you've talked about your instagram and pearls of wisdom like this are something that you sprinkle in daily sometimes hourly sometimes i feel like every three or four minutes there's this new thing and i'm like jesus i never thought of that before if someone listening wants to connect with you, where can they find you?
1: Uh, go to Mike underscore Bledsoe on Instagram, and uh, I'm not so famous yet that I don't answer all my DMs. So now's your chance. Six months from now, you never know.
0: It's coming. <laughs> it, it's it's coming, and that's that's B L E D S O E.
1: You got it. Nailed it. Yeah. Look at
0: that. It, it's uh, first first time passing a spelling bee, but. We, we've talked about some gut flora we talked about some antibiotics and probiotics and how that looks you made mention about ayahuasca and this is something i gotta just add did you end up doing five meo after i left did you guys get get together and do that oh yeah man son of a gun <laughs> son of a gun i i knew it how how was that experience so if you're listening right now and you don't understand and i'll i'll have mike because he's a, a connoisseur of this he's got plenty of experience but to me, an entry point into psychedelics is pretty easy for most people. It ends up being a mushroom type of product, right? It's pretty low barrier to entry. And then as you ascend up the ranks or down the ranks or through the ranks, there's this mystical land to me that's all the way on the right side or the left, however you're gauging, and it's 5-MeO-DMT, which is like the what I was referred to as a god molecule, right? It, it, just ha- it completely destroys the the sense of ego and self. But that's my understanding from someone that's never taken it. So I would rather hear it from you being the horse's mouth with... More than one experience under your belt?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, uh, man. Uh, I would say five meo is uh, it's my favorite experience uh, as far as uh, psychedelic experiences go, and it is the most intense and has the opportunity to, opportunity to be the most terrifying. Um, and but it's short, submit, right? It's, it's not, not very long. short. 15 minutes so yeah and here's the other thing is if you're if you're uninitiated so if if it's your first or second time doing it yeah it's five ten minutes is is pretty typical but if like i'm i've journeyed a lot so i i I really understand that space and so i think it's going to be different for everybody and every time i've done it it's been different but I can ride that wave for about 45 minutes. So I like where someone is in and out in five, 10 minutes, I can be in it for 45 minutes because I'm controlling it with my breath. I'm moving my awareness around, uh, in inside of my body. Um, I can, I can, uh, astro project out of my body. Um, there's, but that, that takes, you know, there's a hundred plus, you know, five gram mushroom journeys in there. There's ayahuasca, there's,
0: a well, hundred plus five gram mushroom journeys. Did you go on like a five gram a day for hundred day? like the opposite of a fast, like how that's a, that's a serious dose for a hundred times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been over years and years. So okay. it's, yeah, there's, there's been periods of time where I was, uh, doing it pretty frequently to, to learn it. And, you know, I, I would say probably closer to 50, 65 gram and then somewhere between like three and four grams for the rest. But yeah major what would be considered major journeys and so um having had that experience uh really even though 5meo is that much different it getting practice in that different state is uh uh, allows you to learn other medicines more quickly that's been my experience um i'm also in i'm also really i I was really good at it from the beginning and not everybody is so i think some people are built for it and some people aren't it's not for everybody but 5meo um Within within the first ten seconds, there's one thing that you have to do if you want to enjoy it, and that is let go of your life. And when I say that, people go like, "Oh yeah, my life as I know it." I'm like, "No, no, no." It, the if you really want to go deep with five meo in that window, in that 10-second window, you have a choice whether to try to try to think that you're gonna just this is a cool experience, or you have a chance to say this is my last breath and I'm never coming back. Um, And I've even had the moment where I go, Oh, I've really done it this time. I'm not coming back. What's funny is like intellectually, I know that it's, it's not going to harm me, you know? Yeah. Uh, But, but viscerally in your body, when, when your ego is being completely dissolved in that moment, you go, I am no longer here. And There is this letting go. There's this having to relax your body into the unknown. And so there's this level of uncertainty that I've never been able to experience, you know, outside of someone putting a gun to my head, which has happened, but the, (laughs) the having that level of uncertainty in that moment and going, yeah, I'm I'm totally willing to let go in this moment um, has allowed me to travel to where I become the entire universe and the universe, the entire universe is me and it's beautiful. And there's this, there's this hum of energy and frequency and all of a sudden a lot of this uh, uh, metaphysical conversations make a lot of sense. And a lot of these uh, advanced conversations around physics starts making a lot of sense around, you know, we're all energy and you go, Oh, I've had the experience of being the energy that is the universe and all that is. and, there's for me there's a passing through the void so there's the void of nothing and into the place of everything so it's it's if you've never had that a mystical experience then what i'm saying does not make any sense and that's okay um and if you have had major mystical experiences you go ooh, i've had something like that before i've had yeah, that experience
0: do you ever get the the humming the vibration when you go on a float tank like with the complete absence of of sound and and space, darkness. No,
1: no. I right. uh, it's um, maybe I, I would say it, I get like light vibrations. Yeah. But uh, not with not like five m e o. Five m e o is more like a
0: <laughs> <laughs> That is that is a, a journey that I am anxiously awaiting to get to go down. So yeah, a, a, a friend yeah, of mine. Right,
1: <sighs> There's places in Costa Rica and Mexico where it's uh, very
0: easy. Well, it, What's interesting is right before this episode, a friend of mine that I completely forgot I'd reach out to messaged me that he got in some, I, what looks to be synthetic, which is always unique to me, right? I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, a bunch of DMT and 5-MeO-DMT. He's a local gentleman here to Columbus, Ohio, so I think I get the opportunity potentially to experience that on a different level.
1: Yeah. Right? And, it, it, it is such a profound experience. Um, I would say it's, it, for me, it's created one of the top, oh man, top five, most profound, I've had a lot of profound experiences. I'd say it's in the top five. Um, and for those experiences, I, I really like having a, an experienced facilitator. So that's yeah. one caveat I'll throw out there is cause I know a lot of people can go out there and order this stuff. um, on the dark web or whatever. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of having a a really great facilitator. Uh, and finding that person is not always, you know, it's not a Google search away. (laughs) Um, but uh, I, I can make a recommendation to people listening is there are facilities in Costa Rica. There are facilities in uh, Mexico. There are places that are opening up, um, that you can do these medicines where it is legal and safe and the facilitators have a lot of experience
0: and of course that is always what we're recommending here as the asterisk that's aside beside this like mike and i for everybody knows we might have been in costa rica together as he was experiencing his five (laughs) meo dmt just across the board i find it so fascinating right like i had an episode about this a little while ago mike that was dare right like we grew up in the dare era oh, we're basically yeah. the same age and that drugs are bad and everything's bad and pots the gateway drug and now it's it's like that whole shell is coming off and seeing the beauty that is to me plant medicine right i've only been down the, the mushroom path a handful of times and like one of the most profound times to me i floated for two or three hours right i went to a float spa i took I don't know, three or four grams i don't maybe probably a little bit more probably closer to four and a half really if i'm squinting and nodding but i'll round down
1: you're a
0: But it was just such a different experience of being able to just feel connected. Like for me, the mushroom thing has always been just a feeling of connected to everything. Like feeling what true, like earthly love. That the the concept. Like I've had my wife tell me she loves me before, but it's different when you can feel it. Yeah, it's like a sense of like we are truly connected and one. And what that really means versus like this fucking sheet of paper we carry around saying we're married and this means that we're together. Like it's it's such a different. I, I put out there very openly, if I had one wish for everybody on the planet, it would be to take a dose of mushrooms, Yeah. right, and do it the right way, yeah. Maybe I, only because that's as far as I've went, right, I, I, who knows, ayahuasca and DMT and 5-MeO, like, different paths.
1: Well, I would say this, if anyone is going to be, uh, anyone who is in the Senate, Congress, or holding a presidential seat, it, I, I vote that every one of those people would have to do ayahuasca uh, at least once a year to calibrate their uh, sanity, so...
0: <laughs> Uh, (laughs) yeah. So you think I I want, like if if you were to, if you were to choose and you could only do one,
1: uh, well, I'm talking about for people that are making
0: choices that impact the entire
1: planet. Um, which that is every single person, but some people are making, you know, have more influence than others. Um, you know, it, it depends on the level you're at, you know? Uh, yeah, I think everybody could benefit from a dose of mushrooms. When we look at Uh, potential downsides there's you know if done in a great in a in a good environment there's almost none you know if if anything it it the the benefits are just outweigh any potential negatives which i've yet to find um and then uh so it's easy It's, it's like the easiest way in in my opinion um but you know and i've also told people Um, it's not a plant it's, it's made by man, but MDMA. So for anyone who is terrified of psychedelics, MDMA is technically not a psychedelic, uh, but it's very psychoactive. Uh, and that experience creates, uh, a large, there's some similarities, but there's some, it's, it's a very different experience, but it causes your body to dump all its serotonin, which causes you to experience happiness, joy, connection, love, um, on a whole nother level and it's easy it's really hard for that experience to go to go wrong or sideways or be judged what usually happens there's no such thing as like a bad mushroom trip it's somebody is judging an experience and you know they're not willing to face something or what it can get dark sometimes but with mdma the the possibility of it getting dark is so unlikely so i tell people if they were to only do one thing one time the, is to give that a shot. The, the trouble with that is, um, uh, is it's a black market item and it's not a plant. So mushrooms are really easy because it's natural, you know, it's it just grows, so you can pick it, you can eat it. The it's, yeah, it's it's super safe. Whereas with MDMA because it's man-made and it's a black market item most of the time, I don't recommend it because of that. Uh, however, we're in phase three trials and it's about to become. Legal for psychologists to prescribe yeah. um, in a therapeutic setting. So um, I would really, I look forward to the day where people can sign up to go to a clinic and have that experience. Um, and and the same thing is happening with psilocybin mushrooms. Is there Oregon, baby? We're moving to Oregon. In phase three as well. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I I do think the world would be a better place uh, for those uh, if, if more people had those experiences ayahuasca when i first did it i was of the mindset everybody has to do this uh but the more i've the more i've had experiences with plant medicine um and and animal medicine because 5 meo DMT is from a toad um and uh and the more experience i have the more i real and i've watched other people have experiences the more i realize we're not all the same as far as like like we we are all one but not not everybody we're all part of a whole right yep. and not every part needs to have that really dramatic experience not everyone's prepared for that and so there's there's a level of uh, of like psychological foundation that i really like people to have before they go into something as deep as ayahuasca and it needs to be calling for you like n- no one should ever feel pressure to do it or anything like that if you feel called to do ayahuasca then i highly recommend it it's a it's a really beautiful uh experience uh it was it was the the first time i did it, it was the most terrifying thing i'd ever done in my life
0: um, oh, good. i did,
1: it. I did <laughs> it in peru and it was it was uh and i and i'd seen like i said i'd seen some shit in my life i've had a, a few moments where uh Pretty. I was pretty sure I was going to get a bullet in my head, and but it was this ayahuasca journey that was even more terrifying, because I thought I was dead already and that I had, you know, that I was not where I wanted to be after death. But uh, yeah. it took me some time to transition into the, the beautiful phase of it, um, and now I can do it, and it's uh, it's not nearly as traumatizing or, or dramatic as it was uh, the first time. But it, it's something. Yeah, only do if it calls to you. By the way, I'll mention this now. I'm I'm put I'm doing an ayahuasca retreat down to Costa Rica later in the year. So, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> if people are following me, they can that that'll be an offering in the next 6 months, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I'm in for that 100% whatever that is. Just <laughs> sign me up. Yes. Tell me Tell me the day. I'm in. I'll help. I'm whatever.
1: So, the first time I did ayahuasca, I go to Peru and it's like it's it's um it's not easy to get to where you're going to do the ayahuasca, right? There's a, right. like an arduous journey that that's involved just to make it happen. Um, you know, it's now 2019 and there's retreat centers set up in Costa Rica. So the, ret- the retreat I'm interested in now is, and what most people probably want to do is fly to Costa Rica, pick you up at the airport, do ayahuasca, you know, uh, at the retreat center and then be at the beach during the day. Yeah. So, it's not like how ayahuasca is traditionally done but it is um it is how it can be done now and the medicine is still from the ju- the jungle the uh the the uh healers that they bring in uh the ayahuascaros they bring them in from uh the jungle uh they fly them in and have them in rotation now so you do get a very the the experience is very traditional whereas the accommodations can be uh, a little more, uh, gringo friendly, if you will.
0: Of course. So so Mike, with that, how many days are you planning on that? How many experiences can one potentially achieve? Do you have enough of the details mapped out?
1: Uh, yeah, it'll be one week. It'll be four, uh, four experiences, uh, four, I guess you could call them, uh, journeys or whatever. And in a seven day period.
0: Okay. And you're all inclusive, right? A hotel. Well, not, I mean, I'll say accommodations. I don't know about hotel. Is it? Yeah, it's all, it's
1: all, it's all, 100% uh, 100 inclusive. So I don't know what the price will be. It's funny. We you we were like, oh, what do you want to talk about on this? I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about the retreat. Of course um, not. Of course not. Yeah. But yeah, that'll be later in the year. Again, if you're following me, that I I think that retreat's gonna sell really fast. Yes, uh, that's because... what I'm
0: telling you right now. Don't forget that I want a <laughs> seat on the bus. I know it's gonna sell out.
1: Uh, yeah, because there's only gonna be a I don't know probably there's probably gonna only be a dozen spots, and. I've never done an ayahuasca retreat before, and I've had tons of people hit me up about it. Uh, you're you're reserved a spot. I've reserved you, you a spot. I'm writing you. your I've, name
0: down right now. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. But Mike, you you've also I almost say cracked the code, right? You've not only a, a, a genius in the fitness space and, and exercise kineology and all the all the different things that you know, but you've also dove deep down. I will call it the personal development path, and you have a retreat that I'm super curious to know more about where. In our first meeting, you literally said DMT is great. Like, but I have a way that I can get almost the same feeling effect for anybody at this, what, weekend, week long retreat. uh, Kind of a, 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 I don't say getaway because that's going to make it sound way too, way too cozy. But what, what is that that you have to offer?
1: Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I think a lot of times when people are approaching plant medicine, there's, there's, uh, Some people are trying to solve a problem, you know, I need healing, you know, and, and uh, that was never me. But what I discovered in that process is I got a lot of healing through that, through those processes. Um, And then there's some people that just want to optimize and have the experience. And that's, that's really who I was for a long time, um, is let's explore. Now, if now, the, the thing is, is, as I was wanting to optimize and explore, I found that the thing that I could do, the thing that optimized my performance the most was healing my past, was healing my childhood, healing. Because even the first time I did ayahuasca, it had the whole thing was about my childhood. And, you know, from the moment I was born until, uh, you know, I was about 15 years old. I mean, I had, I relived all these situations and saw it for what it really was. And I saw the stories I was making up about it. And so for me, the, A lot of the gold that has helped me, that has freed up my body, has freed up my mind has to do with healing the past. And so um, the retreat that I put on now is uh, I do it with, uh, I'm I'm a co-facilitator to a woman named Anat Perry, and it's called Training Camp for the Soul. Um, I went through her program a little over a year ago, and it had such a profound impact on me. It had the depth of ayahuasca while being guided with a more modern psychology perspective that we can look and go, look, this is, these are the common areas in which people are experiencing limitation in their life, and we can dial it in and, on the other side of that, create an enormous amount of freedom that people cannot imagine until they've actually got it. We've all, I think everyone's had that experience of you don't know what you don't know. And then when you get to the knowing on the other side of that, you're like, holy fucking shit. And then you want to go tell your friends about it and and describe to them. And they're going, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, they don't know. I can't even, there's nothing I can say to get them to whatever. Um, So yeah, the, the, the retreat we put on is five days Well, actually it's six days because we get started in the evening. Um, We get into, we mix a, a, a few different modalities, and we use mdr a little bit of hypnosis uh nlp uh emotional abreaction. uh there's a few other things that we're throwing in there we're not just throwing it together it was very intelligently designed okay. but um and, and in a very specific order and what we do is we go through your life and we look at different areas of your life and we get down to the nitty-gritty of at what point in your at what point in your childhood? And most of the work is between zero and seven years old because that is when the mind is uh, lacks logic and takes everything very literally. And so things that don't seem like a big deal as an adult were a huge deal as a child. And the issue is, is it was the five-year-old that decided I will never, I never want to have this experience again. So now I'm going to be, I'm going to be this way so that I can avoid being like this ever happening again. And it's a five-year-old that ends up running the rest of your life. And so a lot of times that can be helpful until, you know, you get into your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. And now because of five, because of what a five-year-old decided about themselves, because of something their dad said to them when they were five has fractaled into like becoming part of their personality. Um, and so, Uh, a lot of what we do is finding those core wounds and healing those core wounds and getting related to ourselves and getting related to the, the, the wounded child inside. And on the other side of that is, uh, really getting, uh, we, we do work around mother and then we do work around father. What'd your mom teach you? What'd your father teach you? And when we get on the other side of that, the, the feeling that people get, people people see the sky differently after that. They look outside and go, "Oh, I can see colors." I thought I was seeing colors before. I'm act- I actually wasn't seeing colors like I am now. Uh, people breathe different. I've watched people like color come into their skin as the week went on. I mean, I've watched it happen within moments of having a, a deep realization. Um, but it's uh, it's very deep work. There's it's not a it, we make it light. It is a fun process. It's a bonding process. Um, and it's deep work. And so we've had some people that were ready to dive in, like, oh, give it to me. I'm going all the way. And we've had people who are like, I'm not so sure about this. But by the end, everybody is warmed up to it. They're having a good time. And uh, it it had, I, I would say, uh, my first mushroom experience, my first ayahuasca experience, and this uh, the work we do in this retreat are the three top uh, – pivotal moments in my life where I got to see a, a huge shift in my relationship to myself and my relationship to the, the universe.
0: Well, and Mike, if someone is listening right now and want more information on that, other than obviously direct message through Instagram, is there anywhere else where they can go and contact you?
1: Uh, you know, if you go to training camp for the there's information on that page. Um, and I know we're working on a meditation. So, uh, if you we're giving away a a free meditation. So if you want that, I believe it's up already. It should be. Um, but worst case scenario, you go and you hit the apply button and you can get on the phone with uh, the head facilitator, Anat Perry, and she'll have a conversation with you to see if it's a good fit.
0: I love it. I love it. But this, this whole breadth of knowledge that you bring to the table that you have so many different vehicles to facilitate through right we're talking retreats we're talking soul we're talking training we're talking exercise physiology we're talking mobility but really you you've figured out a way to combine almost all of these pieces and parts into something that trainers can use to benefit their life and practice yeah. Is that right like i know i'm, I'm paraphrasing but at, at some capacity yeah. that's i think a great fuck it you got to sign me up for marketing now i just figured out your marketing message <laughs> you take all that stuff that you have you combine it down and that's what you offer What does that look like? What's it Um, called? What what is it?
1: uh, So I have a program called The Strong Coach. So if you go to thestrongcoach.com, you get a glimpse into what's going on there. Um, The Strong Coach is a 12-week program. The first six weeks is focused on, I would consider it personal development. It's focused on what's going on in your life, what's keeping you from having what you have that you want, uh, what is it do you really want? Most people, what I find, don't even know what they want. They, they got their, they got, they became a personal trainer or a strength and conditioning coach. And that's all they could think of. They never thought, well, what'll happen once that happens? You know, they get a job and they go, well, now this sucks. Like I don't have the clients I want. I don't make the money I want. I have to work all the time. And so, um, the first half of the 12 weeks is uh, personal development oriented, getting you right with you. And then the second six weeks of the 12 week program is, uh, is more professional development oriented and so that is how do we build your coaching business to serve you and your life and the type of clients that you want to be serving so um a lot of that's helping you get more of the clients you love so i, I know a lot of trainers they end up you know or anyone who's in the service industry where it's like man i really love what i do but i don't, i'm not in love with the clients that i have and so we teach you how to get the clients that you really really want um i'm super excited about the strong coach right now um and that we're now creating more advanced courses so this is something i dreamt up um less than a year ago is last april i got in a float tank and i had been traveling around the world a lot and i noticed the way that uh, trainers were communicating with clients and uh and i saw that a lot of trainers were working really hard but not getting a lot of results for themselves um, in their business. So um, I hopped in a float tank one night and it hit me. I go, Oh wow, I have to. It was, it was a huge moment of inspiration. I have to create a program specifically for uh, fitness trainer and strength and conditioning coaches because they are comp- like they're really missing out. There's no path for those people um, that I've that I've seen that, that is really speaking to what they need to hear. And so, uh, yeah, it's, I I don't think any of it's separate from each other. It's, I see it as a progression and yeah, I think, uh, what's funny is in business, I took some time off away from business and which allowed me to come up with the idea to have the strong coach. And it was, when I look at my life, there was about four year, it was a four or five year period where I was like, I am going down, I'm going down to Peru for ayahuasca I'm getting in a different plant medicine. I'm attending the different leadership uh, uh, programs. I've got this coach. I spent a ton of money on all this, like leadership development and um, emotional healing and all this stuff. And I go, I'm following my curiosity, mm-hmm. and I there was no plan. It was like, all right, what I'll do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be able to combine all this. I'm gonna have all this knowledge to where I can create the best program ever. I did all that stuff for me. I did all that stuff because I was curious. And I live my life by the motto is I let curiosity be my guide. If I'm ever confused, what am I curious about? That's what I'll do. Yeah, and so it's been, uh, it's been, a, it's been really cool that I got, to, I got to a place where my understanding of the human body, business, uh, that how to organize the mind, how to heal uh, emotionally, and having these, uh, a more spiritual take on what's really going on has helped me create programs that I don't think anyone else could create in this way. It's 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 we call it luck, but I think I'm divinely, you know, guided in a lot of ways. And sometimes I I uh, I screw up and I don't follow my true calling. And you know, we all get off the path at certain times. But you know, I um, one of the things that did happen for me uh on my second ayahuasca journey was I had the realization that uh you know I was like oh I, I've got like I wasn't very spiritual before that by the way. I, I, I had been playing around with psychedelics but I wasn't I wouldn't consider myself a spiritual person mm-hmm. um because I grew up Christian and then I and then I went into the Navy and then I was in the scientific field and I go, oh I'm more atheist. Now that's what I would have claimed. And I was like, oh, this psychedelic stuff is pretty interesting. It's helping me make some pretty big realizations. And then on my second ayahuasca journey, I go, oh, because of my history, I've been trying to compartmentalize, you know, oh, this is science here. This is religion here. And this is is, uh, work. And this is my personal life and all this. And then I realized, oh, this entire universe is spiritual. They're trying to say that any part of my life or any part of my work or my business or my fitness or anything is not a spiritual endeavor is silly. It is all spiritual work and it is all a spiritual experience. And when I had that experience in the last, you know, that was four years ago, since then, I've been able, been able to witness the interconnectedness of everything and how everything is flowing towards a purpose And so if, if I'm putting anything out into the world at all, it is designed to flow towards taking anyone who, who enters into any part of the thing towards their greatest purpose and happiness is really what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. And, and Mike, I love the fact you touched on what I'll call deep work, right? That time that I think so few of us, recalibrate into, which is the absence of feeling required to do something, right? Like I'm coming off the back end of 34 coaching clients, right? Many of them are timing out this week and next week. And I literally have a two, three, it might even turn into a four week period where there's just nothingness, right? And and the beauty of nothingness, like you said, there's things I want to do. There's ayahuasca experiences, there's travel, there's uh, you know a silent meditation retreat. There's just things that expand my capacity almost as you're saying out of complete curiosity Right most of these things. I don't know why it's like I you call it your journaling time in the morning I call it for me I wake up and I meditate right away first. Like I brush my teeth do all that stuff and it's instant meditation And it's like, okay, it just kind of guides me, right? I'll call it the universe the spiritual connection the higher power whatever, you know flag people feel like they need to put on top of that mountain And it's just like yeah. just unplug there's something there for you and it's like go to this place and every time i've actually listened and went There's been something that came back, like Ryan Moran's mastermind. That's where you and I met. Yeah. Like Ryan's been a friend of mine for years and years and years. And he invites me to this mastermind. It's after we reconnect off a podcast because we hadn't spoken for a couple years. And I almost don't go, right? Because in all actuality for me, I'm thinking like – what am I? Not not even what am I going to get out of it? It's, it's that it's that not enough thing. It's I don't fit in the room. It's all these these check marks, right? So I, I have a good podcast. That's that's where that's that's my flag on the mountain right now. But I'm like I got to go, and so even beforehand I, I slow roll booking the ticket, and I have to drive two and a half hours Cincinnati to fly out because I can't get a flight out of Columbus. Like I just completely botched this trip. But I knew I was supposed to go and then spend time with a man like you and everybody else that was there, and now have actual friendships that are mutually beneficial but not for that reason right like there's no part of i want you on the show because i love the amount of information passion and knowledge you have that you're sharing with me like i hope you as you're listening i hope you're getting out of it but even if you're not like this has been one of the best hour and a half that i can remember having for quite some time because of just how the conversation goes yeah but i so often like the old version of me would have fought that right because the logic side of things is like there's no instant ROI. Same thing with the time off, right? You, what's the result? Yeah, what's the, the two or three weeks you're going to take off and I'm just going to unplug. Well, there's no ROI there. There's no money coming in. There's no There's no anything. What am I going to do? What if nobody remembers me when I come back? And it's like, <laughs> okay, maybe, right? Like maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. then it was supposed to be. But it's so different letting it go. I can't imagine what it would be like with the level of connection after some ayahuasca and some DMT and all that, Like, right? There's just... From everything that you've shared with me and other men that have and women that have went down that path, the doors just keep getting more profound that get opened. That's true. Yeah. And to hear your very vivid depiction of how that all looks and what it's went into your business is reassuring to me.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and and it hasn't been a pretty process the whole time. You know, there's I've made business partners nervous. Uh, I've I've made decisions that were that. It caused me to make very little money for a year, uh, but after making those decisions and that were more long term and, and more in alignment with what it is I'm supposed to be doing on this planet, then when when the alignment does happen, it's like oh shit, this feels good, this feels easy, I feel momentum. Uh, the experience I used to have in business is pushing all the time. I gotta push push, push. Now I feel pulled. There's a pull. It's like, I couldn't stop it if I wanted to. I I would, I would have to work hard not to do business at this point. Like I would, I would have to go, you know, I, I would have to tell people to stop working. I would have to, if I did nothing, which I try to do as little as possible. If, if I do nothing and I just say yes to things, if I just say, oh, oh uh you guys need this okay i can help with that or this or that everything everything just happens the the vision is set the uh the communication is high uh and i've created a business where i get to work at what i do best and what i would be doing no matter what it's like oh yeah if i had free time i would just do this and so it's it's a lot of play it's a lot of fun um, and, but it it wasn't always that way, you know. There's a lot of pushing, and it took me a long time to learn what alignment felt like and what being out of alignment felt like. And I'm and I'm still refining that, by the way. There's there's days where I'm like, fuck, am I in alignment? You know, today doesn't feel easy, and not every day is gonna feel easy. There's you know, I had a, I had a moment last week where I was just like, fuck, I uh I don't I'm not I don't really feel as good about business as I normally do. And then my wife goes, well, you did stay up all night for New Year's, so you're probably a little tired. And I go, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what I found, Mike, and I love your feedback, when I stopped associating money with success, right? Like you said, the pool versus push. Like I was so hell-bent on if I had the right car, if I could say that my tax return said this dollar amount, if I had the right house, if I hopped on the, you know, the private jet, if I did, checked all these boxes, that meant that I was doing it right. Right. And it, from – having access to that before in my life and then literally losing it all, right? I've shared yeah. that very openly with you and realizing, okay, this podcast was a catalyst to me just finally feeling good about what I'm doing and realizing that if money comes, it'll come. And if it doesn't, it, it doesn't. And this isn't some woo-woo hippie thing. Like I like nice things. I have no problem. Like I like nice things. I, I inherently like them, but not for the fact of, Same. I'll say flossing <laughs> on social media, but like it, it feels good to have a certain watch on your wrist or a certain car that you're sitting behind the wheel of. Totally. But it's not the reason for – like I'm not trying to figure out how to manipulate you as a listener into buying something for me. Here I am 270 or so episodes in with – like it's all free, right? There's still no advertising. There's no anything like I pay to put it on because it freaking feels good. Yeah, And there's so many opportunities that open up like chatting with you based off the fact I have a microphone in front of my face.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that – shifting that relationship with money has been – uh I've made a big shift with money in the last year, year and a half. And yeah, there's like working to have the stuff is different than the stuff, like having access to the stuff as a byproduct of doing what you enjoy. It's, it's, a, it's a completely different energy. And um, I, I ran an experiment this past year that wouldn't, will make most entrepreneurs cringe. So uh, I stopped working last January. And, uh, yeah, my okay. business partners fucking hated me. I'm sure of it. Um, but I stopped working in January and I said, you guys figure it out. I'm going to go travel. So my wife and I went and traveled and I made the choice to only take inspired action. Like I, I never want to work for money again. I never want money to be the reason why I make a choice in business. And so, uh, I was inspired last April, it was about May, actually. I go, oh, I got this new program I want to put together. I want to put the, the strong coach together. I want to put that, this, uh, I, I, I see a need for it. I'm inspired to do it. I notice that anytime I work with coaches is when I have the coolest clients and my friendships. And these are the people who, like, anytime I've, I've uh, coached coaches, I end up being friends with them years later. It's the If I work with somebody in a supplement company, You know, as their coach, it's like six months later, like we're not even talking. But if you're a coach and I've coached you, oh, we end up being friends for life. And I go, wow, this is really, really, uh, I just want to put this together because I enjoy working with coaches. And I wasn't even thinking about the money. Um, And in the beginning, it didn't bring in very much money. and My bank account started getting really low. So last July. So this isn't that long ago. I mean, this is six months ago. Yeah. So, so I go, I'm only doing inspired action and I'm going to do this program right. I'm going to launch the strong coach program and I'm going to do it. I don't care. I'm not going to, I'm not going to launch it because I'm running out of money. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like push something forward unnecessarily. I'm going to let everything unfold easily. So I did. I, 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 everything unfolded easily. My bank account got under $40. It was like under 40, 50 bucks. I I sold off all my retirement stuff is, I mean, I, I, the only thing I really had investment wise was, uh, well, some crypto and, uh, (laughs) which is highly unstable. No one's, no one's relying on that shit for anything. So I just had some like fun stuff over on the side on that. And then I have like life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So aside from that, I let everything go. And I got at the age of 36. So uh, because the year before, on my 36th birthday, the year before, I woke up that morning and I looked at myself in the mirror and I wasn't happy with uh, where I was at in my business. I wasn't happy where I was at in my marriage and all this stuff. And I started making changes. But three months into making those changes is when I stopped working I go, you know what? I I've, I've got to stop everything and I'm going to hit the reboot button. And I got my account down to under like 50 40 bu- forty fifty 50 bucks in July and I remember looking at my wife and going, uh, we're out of money. And the the experiment was was there was it was twofold is uh only behave out of inspired action and uh what's it feel like without any money? What's it what what do I make it mean about me? because before i was running a seven figure business and i go you know what i was pro-, like oh yeah i walk around town talk to people like oh you know what kind of business you run and, you know oh yeah how much you make last year it's like oh yeah i seven, I, I run seven figures and uh you know it made me feel good it was like oh you're yeah you're high sixes i'm you know i'm mid sevens whatever and so like there's this old, that it, it it made me feel a certain way it's like but when the money went away could i still feel valuable could i still feel good about me and so that was the other side of it is inspired action and i had done a lot of work around my relationship with money i was like could i have no money and still feel valuable mm-hmm. and uh if 2 years ago not a chance every time there's a fluctuation in money complete you know i i've had depression and i just fucking going you know, like, like I would get debilitated and like a whole work day would go by. I'd barely do anything because I wasn't, I didn't feel good about myself, but I felt fine. I had no money and I felt fine. And my wife felt fine too. We we were doing a lot of this deep work together. And I look at her and I go, she goes, should we fast this week? And I go, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, I love you so much. Like the, that was, that was her response. It wasn't like, Oh no, what are we going to do? Or whatever, you know? you know, couples normally get in fights over finances, you know, that's like cited as the number one issue. And, um, yeah, it, it got down that amount. I go, well, we'll see what happens. And the very next day I got hit up by uh, a business partner. and was like, Oh, by the way, I've got like $3,000 I owe you, uh, because I got a bunch of payments that you referred. I go, Oh, cool. And so it was, we were, and then uh that was the beginning of money flowing in so the next week i had a bunch of people sign up for my coaching program and then it's one of those things where within after getting down to almost nothing i am experiencing it's now january um 6 months later i'm experiencing the most financial stability i've ever had in my entire life
0: i love it i mean i i truly love that i think there's there's so much mike there i I am vehemently against the Gary V model of business because I live that and I live the way that I live now. And it's not perfect, right? Like this, it's a juggling act. And I'll say that Gary V is that push, 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 hustle, 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 work seven days a week, burn it at both ends. If, if you love what you do, I guess that whole cliche of like, you never work a day in your life. Sure. I get it, but only to a certain capacity. You beat you no know, being a coach, right? Like if I don't unplug, if I don't take some downtime, if I don't, if I don't recalibrate, and I'll say for me, it's focus on my family, focus on myself. Just like stop answering phone calls after 7 o'clock on a Friday night and don't pick up the phone again until Monday morning. Yeah, My world doesn't come to an end. I actually feel so much better and I so show up and conserve so much at a higher capacity that I think everything you're saying with that whole unplugging and, and recalibration of what's important to you, I, I hope you as you're listening take it that there are so many different paths to the quote-unquote level of success that you think you want. And I almost guarantee that once you obtain that level, because you will, right? If you work hard enough for long enough, you'll get that. Yep. But you find out it's unfulfilled because you didn't do it for the right reason. Right? Like there there's a reason that gets associated with it. And in my twenties, I would have never understood this. In my early thirties, maybe <laughs> not. Like but now it's like, man, I just get it. If it's if it doesn't feel right, I don't care how much money is on the table, I don't care what portion of equity I can get offered, it's just like, no, I'm out, right? I don't want to do yeah. this.
1: I think a big part of that is trusting yourself. Like you, you've you had enough experience where you know that you can show up and make it happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know if there's anything I could have said to my younger self that would have listened, you know? So you know what? Fuck it. If you really want the Porsche and you, that's going to make you happy, go get the Porsche, go do it. Yeah. You know, if you want, you know, if you want a six pack and you think that's going to get you, laid and that's going to make you happy go do it please as fast as humanly possible get everything that you possibly want and uh that way you can get to the end and see that uh that's that's not going to make you happy but i think you and i are alike in that i had to go make i had to go uh uh try to prove that i was a badass in the military i had to go uh i had to compete in uh, like the sport of CrossFit and weightlifting and tear my body to pieces because, you know, if I perform, then I'll be happy. If, when I, when I, if I can get on the podium, then I'll be happy. And then I was like, oh, and then I'm going to business. Oh, if I make this much money, I'll be happy. I couldn't have gotten to the level of awareness I am now until, unless I had obtained the things that I thought would make me happy and completely destroyed myself in the process, and now I know. So maybe somebody gets to skip some steps because they just heard me talk about that. And or maybe you'll hear go get it as quickly as possible so that you can, you know, get to the next level, whatever you're going.
0: Yeah, either way, I think I think that's a wonderful way to to put a bow on this episode. I think just that that sheer fact of all the the pieces and parts, Mike, that just make you who you are and the lessons that you've shared today, right? Like it's crazy having that conversation with someone that is so similar yet has been through his own own path. Because we can all see, like from, just like you're saying, from the vantage point in which we stand today, I can look back and say exactly how I got here. But if I say that I want to achieve, name whatever the next thing is, right? For for me, it's 125 million people that I impact their lives before I die. That's my thing. Oh yeah. I don't know how the hell I'm gonna get there. Like I have no idea. It's one day at a time. It's one step at a time. It's one authentic action at a time. And the path when I get to that point, I'll be able to look back and oh, that's how I did it. Like, I don't know how the fuck – you don't have to have this shit all figured out. Like, whoever says they have it all figured out, I, I think you're kidding yourself. Or you should, <laughs> you should bottle that shit up and sell it because you make a hell of a lot more money selling what you know than actually go- going to town with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I but agree. With, with with that, I'll leave you with – take any of the pieces and parts from, from Mike today. Check him out at Mike underscore Bledsoe on Instagram. It's a great gateway into everything else that he has. And as you take the pieces and parts of wisdom that he instills every day and you apply them to your life, you'll figure out that every day you're able to get shit done.